Hi, I'm Kurt Point. Welcome to our daily podcast, Coping with COVID, here at Business in Vancouver. Glad you could join us today. You know, we're, uh, we're being given more time now to file our taxes, uh, but there are more than 3 million Canadians out there who are self-employed, and they're often alone to do the work. Sometimes they use an accountant, sometimes they use software, but uh, they often have to identify all of the opportunities for them for credits and deductions from the federal government. Uh, we brought an expert on to talk about this. Susan Watkin is a tax expert with TurboTax Canada. You'd know it's very popular software. And she joins me today. Good to have you with us. Oh, thanks, Kirk. Nice to be here. Thanks. Um, so you're the expert. I'm going to uh, I'm going to start. Uh, I'm not going to fire any like really detailed questions at you uh, to start. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get warmed up on this. But uh, you know, I, I teach uh, part time, and one of the one of the things I teach my students in journalism is that there are a variety of opportunities available to you as a self-employed journalist, a self-employed Canadian, in order mm -hmm. to take take advantage of this. And and their jaws usually drop. I mean, they actually they look at this like my goodness, I've been paying tax all these years as a freelancer. and I didn't know about this. Um, you know, among those three million, I mean, there must be a lot of people that just actually barely know where to start. So start us off. Start us off. Like what, what, what are some of the basics that you, you need to do as a self-employed Canadian in order to uh, at least put yourself in place to start thinking through what your, your tax opportunities are? Right. No, absolutely. And you're so right. I work with so many businesses in the year and a lot of them have no idea that they they have this ability. And uh, one of the things that um, when I'm speaking with uh, small businesses, self-employed individuals is that is getting themselves organized that they still they are a business. So that means they have to be tracking their stuff. They have to have some method of bookkeeping that they're using, you know, whatever it is that they're tracking their expenses, tracking their income. And this is what they need to do to get them just start on this journey to see, you know, are they tracking everything they can be tracking? Are they, um, do they know what they are allowed to expense? What is, um, considered a proper business expense, let's say. So I usually tell people, number one, do you have it all together? Have you been tracking this? And if you haven't, you know, you need to get through that. You need to start organizing this. And then you need to consider your expenses of what is reasonable. Like what do I need this to make money in my business? And that's going to help them get all this stuff put together to say, oh, well, actually I did need that. I couldn't have done this without it. That could be a reasonable expense, and they could write that off against their business income. So that's the that's the main criterion, isn't it? Is, is it a reasonable expense in order to do your business? Yes, 100%. It's, and that's what the government looks at. They're looking at reasonability. Did you require this in order to earn income? That's the whole goal of having a business, right, is our goal is to earn money. So the government says, okay, well, we're going to give you these expenses, but did you actually need them? So that's our, you have to ask that question of yourself. And if the question, if the answer isn't yes, then you have to really reevaluate that expense that you're trying to put through. But a lot of times people forget that there are a lot of yeses out there. Yeah, I mean, I will say that uh, the two responses I tend to get when I when I raise this uh, with this little cluster of students, I, I get two types of individuals emerging. I get the ones that are embarrassed by the notion that they would have to declare this, and then I get the other ones that are like, "Well, you know, <laughs> let me <laughs> let me let me get my trip to Hawaii as part That's of you know." Well, yeah. So yeah. okay, so help me with this, Susan. Like like. Uh, Put put me it put us in the right sweet spot zone here. Uh, like what what tend to be the types of things that CRA says? You know that is reasonable. That that is of course that's reasonable. 
Well, the majority of us as business owners, um, I'm one as well, we, we have a lot of key things that you you should have as a business owner. Obviously, you're going to have things like advertising, promoting your business. Well, that's a cost. You're going to need office supplies. You, uh, Depending on are you renting a space to run your business or are you operating it out of your home? There's all sorts of costs. We have meals and entertainment when we're trying to get clients. We have uh, bank fees and interest on debt. So there's such a pardon me, there's such a huge list. And what I like to tell um, self-employed individuals if they want to understand a bit more is I recommend that they just look up the T2125 form on the CRA and it's going to give them their whole list of everything that they can consider. And like you said, a lot of them are sometimes surprised. They're like, hey, I didn't realize I, I, I'm allowed to, to do that because I need it for my business. Yeah, yeah. Let's start with, uh, I mean, people working out of their home because I okay. think most of the uh, three million actually yeah, are yes. carving out there, you know, right now they are, of course. Yeah, for but, sure. <laughs> uh, but largely speaking, you know, they're, they're out there trying to sort through, uh, like, how, how do I represent what the true cost is uh, of my business in my home when, in fact, I'm also, you know, I'm also cooking meals and sleeping in bed and doing, like, what, what, is, what is it? Is it a square foot space that you use for your office? How, how do you how do you assign the right proportion to it? Well, there's, there are things that you have to consider. So some of them are, number one, is this your primary place of doing your business? Um, or is it a spot that, you know, are you primarily meeting your clients here or seeing your your customers or whatever it is you're doing that is happening out of your home. Like that's the number one criteria first. It can't be somewhere that, oh, I just do here a, a day here, a day there. It has to be your primary place of business. And then what what we look at is when we, we think about our business use of home expenses is that, you know, what do we need to use when we're working out of our home? And then we think about the space. So you have to think of a couple things. It's about the size. How big is that office in re relation to the rest of your house? And then mm -hmm. how much time do you actually spend there as well? So, you know, if you're only working there 60% of the time, you have to think about time and space, right? So yeah. it's so there's a lot of information for it. So it's a mathematical know. formula, right? You, it, you, it, it, that, it actually you is. And and you've got to represent it properly. But but 100%. in the end, I mean, it, it, is it is it that you then take that formula, whatever it is, the percentage that you come up with, which is maybe I don't know, you're using twenty percent of your space for your place, and you're there sixty percent of the time. So I don't know, you're. You're down to something like twelve percent of your, uh, right? Of, of of all of your all of your expenses associated with your place, like your your rent and your um, hydro and your heating. Is is it all of that that gets larded in? It's yeah, for the most part, yes. It's we're looking at all of your things like your maintenance costs, so stuff like your heat, hydro, uh, stuff for operating the home, uh, your electricity, uh, things like that. If you're any maintenance, small maintenance on the home that's specific to what you're doing, and then you can look at things like uh, property, sorry, property taxes portion of that, mm -hmm. mortgage yeah. interest, yeah, and then we also not mortgage get principal, right? Mortgage no. interest. No, yeah. mortgage interest only. And then in some cases, we look at capital cost allowances as well. So if people oh. are working out of their homes, they might be doing major renovations to the home in order to operate their business there. So whether it's on the land or the property itself. Now, this is one where I always you know, warn people a little bit that the capital cost stuff, that's where we get into territory where it can impact you in terms of capital gains when you go to sell your home, right? So oh. be mindful because if you're changing the structure, you're changing the use 
of it, it's changing how that house is, right? So, but all of those things that you know, you're using in your home are things that um, insurance is another one too. Those are things that you could legitimately put to your business use of home expenses as of that portion, whatever it is that you calculated out to be. And obviously, if you're doing things like you're uh, you're buying yourself a desk, uh, desk and chair, um, mm-hmm. you've got you've got a laptop, um, you've got uh, probably a bookshelf for things. Yep. Uh, and you've got, I mean, all of these pieces. Uh, to varying degrees, have uh, have some sort of tax deduction of some sort, right? Yes. But, but yes. they have schedules, don't they? They have schedules. Of yeah. Degrees. Yeah, those ones, because all the things that you mentioned, those are things that would be classified as fixed assets. So we don't get to necessarily write them off. Uh, depends on the value of them. We don't necessarily get to write them all off in one shot. So the government mm-hmm. has created these classifications. So some of them, depending on what it is, um, it could be 20% per year, could be 50% per year, you know, or all over the place, depending exactly on what it is. So we get to write off the portion that we are allowed for that year and the rest of it carries forward and into the into future years, which means we just don't get to write off these large purchases all in one time. We spread them out. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, I should ask you the question that I think some people who might be a little on the, on the uh, aggressive side will do. How far can you go back to claim? For... Yeah, yeah like, sorry, let's just say you've been specific. doing this for four years and uh, you haven't claimed any of this and you wake up one day or you're watching our podcast today and you're having this revelation, you're going, oh no, I've left all this money on the table. Can you go back very far or, do, or is it only the previous tax year? Um, yeah, that would be something I would like, I would always recommend to people to contact the CRA because depending on your situation is say to them, look, I've made some mistakes. What do I do? And have them instruct them, instruct you specifically for you. And they're going to tell you what you're allowed to change, what you can go back, what you missed out on. I, um, I always say that that is the best solution. It is just to find out from them directly because it's about you specifically as well. So have all your receipts, but be prepared no matter what you do. You have to make sure you've got all of this documentation for it as well. All your receipts, everything that, um, whether it's old or it's it's new or it's upcoming, keep the receipts because if you want to try to claim it at any point, they might come back and they, they're going to want the, the documented proof. Important point, right? You keep your receipts for what six or seven years. Um, the nor- what it's saying is is what the CRA says right now is CR uh, six years. And the important thing to note is post filing. So this is one that gets a lot of people caught oh. because they think, oh well, it's six years, so it's two- 2020. I should be able to throw out everything from 2014 right now. Well, what if you were two years late filing 2014? You didn't file wow. it till 2016. Right. You actually have two more years to hold on to that. So that's really important to remember that you want that uh, post tax filing, not the tax year. I know that your software uh, permits this, but uh, but you know a lot of people uh, have, I would imagine, shoeboxes of receipts, right? And yes. uh, that's the, we we found a use for shoeboxes at some point. Uh, but but it, what what is the what's the ideal way now to preserve all of these receipts? Because they they do accumulate. You end up with big file folders full of them and shoeboxes in your closet of, you know, like 2017 receipts and things like that. Yes. What's the best way? Well, it's so this is where we're we're in that I feel like we're still we're so going forward into the the digital environment that we want to scan them and get rid of them. The CRA is still telling us so that they want us to keep our receipts in the format in which we receive them. 
So you've uh, kind of got that just in case. So that's six years. Hold on to them if you've got them in paper. But some people want to just put them aside. It's okay to scan them, get them involved, um, get them up online, get them into your computer. If you're using software, you know, like uh, QuickBooks that you're doing your bookkeeping with, then you can upload receipts, which is great. But right now, as far they still they still might ask you for those receipts. We I don't think they've gone fully digital yet. We're still no. waiting for them to do that. But I do know that when they sometimes when we have a review, we can upload to them from digital files. So I feel like we're getting there, but we are always still waiting for them to advise us on what we can do with our documents. Okay. So, so it's one thing to be inside of our apartments or houses or whatever and doing our business, but obviously we have to go out and do some things. What, what generally speaking, can a self-employed Canadian expect in terms of being able to claim expenses around, uh, around, things like uh, vehicles or transport or those yeah. kinds of that's a great question. And it's very similar uh, to business use of home. I like to equate it. And it's actually, those are I, what I find in my in my firm is that we have, those are the two big ones that people often miss is the business use of home and the vehicle. The vehicle is if the business does not own it, if it's not in the, the business's name, it is business use of your personal vehicle, which means you don't get to write all that stuff off. You have to track it very similarly, like you're doing with your business use of home. You're tracking all of your expenses and that it's based on the kilometers that you're using, the business okay. use. So then it becomes, okay. a, that's what develop, creates that percentage. So you have to be having a mileage log. You have to be tracking the where, the who, the why, and the when. And then you get to take all of your expenses for your vehicle. And then the form that we submit with our taxes for self-employed individuals, the T2125, helps us work it all out, helps us do all the calculations. So we just put in all the numbers and we tell it and it'll take all the information for you. But if if I'm not mistaken, don't you also have to uh, declare on your auto or your vehicle insurance that you've got a slightly different use of your vehicle now? That it's not just With your insurance provider? Yeah. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure on that because I don't work in insurance, but I would believe so. If you're yeah. changing the use of your vehicle, that's I would recommend um, if any startup that I work with, I always recommend them to speak to their provider because they might have to change their insurance depending on what they're doing. So you don't want to get, you don't want to risk that where you get into an accident and you find out you're not covered. So that's a, a very high recommendation is always talk to your insurer when you're starting up a business to see if it impacts your coverage. Sure. Um, one again, one area that's a little bit out uh, at the edges of this. If people would might say, "Well, you know, look, Susan, I, I uh, I'm in I'm in this line of work, and I have to go off to a convention. I have okay. to go. You know, I got to travel to a convention. Again, um, that may look like it's a real perk, mm-hmm. but but can you justify those types of things? Generally speaking, to CRA is 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 that is that a zone that's still acceptable? Uh, I believe so, and it all depends again on what this purpose, what the purpose is of this convention or conference that you're going to. Are you going to it because it's going to expand your skills? Are you going to it because it's part of the technology or the industry that you're in? Like it's if it's all of this stuff has to do with the advancement of our abilities to provide our service, provide our product. So if it's if doing this continuing education, doing these conferences, is if if this is increasing our abilities to sell our product, hence earn 
income, then in most cases, it's considered a reasonable expense, right? So it's it's one of those where you have to really assess the value. Now you can't, you know, you can't just pick pick something out of the blue, I would imagine, that has nothing to do with you, right? So this is where you have to think, oh, is this related to my industry? Can I justify this expense if the CRA was going to call me? I could say, yes, I needed it because I learned X, Y, and Z, and it helped me. Well, now you've created yourself a reasonable expense, and then it's likely that it will be allowed. I see. Okay. Now, not not all 3 million uh, Canadians doing uh, claiming self-employed status, of course, are only self-employed for, for quite a few. Yes. It's a bit of a side hustle, right? It's a it's a second stream of income, mm-hmm. and and I want to get a bit of a general uh, guidance on this one about about how how you uh, smartly assign um, you know your your costs uh, your expenses over to that to then even you know whittle down the tax that you're paying on your on sort of your home base of income. How you know how how do we how do you do that kind of wisely? Um, if I'm under, okay, so I just want to make sure I'm understanding the question. So if we've got somebody who's, you know, got a side gig, so whether they're, I don't know, they're an Instagram influencer or they're driving an Uber or something, right? This just becomes, um, another part of their taxable income. So they still are, they are now self-employed. So they would be filling out a statement of business activities, just like anyone else that has a, a full-fledged self-employed business. So Mm -hmm. they're going to be doing all the same things, tracking their income, tracking their expenses. And all of that at the end of the day, that that income that comes over with your taxable income with all your other income. So you've got your employment income, interest income, all of that stuff. It all gets lumped together together to create that bottom line, which is your taxable income, which is what we get, what they determine we're, what tax bracket we're going to fall into, right? So, um, so that becomes all a part of it. It doesn't matter whether you're working part-time or you're only running your, your sole proprietorship. It's all managed the same way. So if you have a small side gig, whether it's if it's tiny or big, it's a side gig, and it's you have to file it like you. It's a statement of business activities. Yeah. So, but, and then I guess that there's a question that's always in there. I think that people wonder is like, like, what if what if you're not actually making much income from your self-employment or your side hustle or whatever? Maybe you know, you're, maybe you're not getting a lot of traction. You know, you're a photographer and you can't get much business yet, but you know, you've got all these expenses. I mean, in a way, is is there a is there any kind of rule of thumb where Canada Revenue Agency kind of permits you to, you know, maybe not succeed for a certain amount of time before they go, hold on, hold on here. <laughs> you, look, you, can't, um, you, can't, you can't be a 25-year rock critic, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Um, my honest answer to that is I, I can't speak to that because I don't work for the CRA. They would make a judgment call, I would imagine. So um, I, there's nothing that I know of that's written in stone that says after so many years, we're not going to let you claim any business expenses anymore. So I don't think it works like that, but I can't. Unfortunately, I'm not. I can't state what they're going to do in terms of their processes. To me, if you're operating a business, you keep declaring your your business expenses and your income as long as the business is operating and the main goal of the business is to earn income. So yeah. it has to be a legitimate enterprise. You are trying to run a business to earn income. And then there's the legitimacy within that business. Like it's obviously you're not going to just, you know, keep something running and it's not working and it's just cost, 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 right? So there yeah. would be that air of legitimacy within the business. Got it. Okay. Uh, a couple of other things before we're done. It, 
there's usually a question that people have about uh, you know how official you get. So do you say establish an incorporated company, okay, as opposed to staying as a sole proprietor uh, and a, you know a self-employed Canadian? I mean, there right. there are again uh, some pretty big differences potentially there in terms mm-hmm. of your overall marginal tax rate and and so on. We uh, yes. What what at least do we need to assess before we can make that decision? Do you think um, we need to see that as a self-employed individual, are we able to maintain a certain amount of money within the company itself? Like, the, is the company self-sustaining? Is there money that is there month over month over month? Like, so we're able to retain money within the business, um, and then we usually look at it to see, well, is this does it make sense to incorporate? Does the cost of incorporation and the the increased cost of operating a corporation, because there are changes in that from a sole proprietor, does that yeah. make sense based on what you're earning today? Because like you said, it's the tax rates that change. We go from working, running our businesses and being taxed at the end of the personal you know, marginal tax rate to be going to be taxed at our corporate tax rate, which are significantly different. But yeah. so you have it's it's a personal I it's a personal preference, obviously, depending on your business and where you want to be with your business. But these are things you want to look at. Is there money over and over into this? Are you know, how much are you paying in, in personal taxes versus what you would pay? And has the costs offset that, right? So there's a few things you have to, it's a serious thing to go into becoming a corporation because there's a lot more rules as well that result, revolve around having a corporation. So it does take a, a lot of thought to make that decision. Okay. Um, uh, two other things. Uh, one, so here we are, um, you know, in in uh, March and April, uh, we've got time now. We've got time to file our taxes this year. The government's given us until the end of May, at least, you know, who knows how much longer. And if you're a corporation, I guess you get, you know, well into the year, uh, you get into July. But um, so, so if, if someone were watching this today and going, you know, I think I do qualify for this, um, what did they do to go back into 2019 and, and start assembling things, start assembling pieces to make their first declaration this way? Of being a small business owner? Um, yeah. Well, th- you're going to want to make sure they've, again, it's just get all your stuff together. Do something to track all of this income and expenses. I, take, a I tell, your, take a look at your bank accounts, your hundred percent like expenses, your... You, the easiest thing is obviously if you're using a software to do it, like whether it's a uh, self-employed software from QuickBooks or QuickBooks Online, something like that. If you're not using that, you're just using Excel, then you want to be looking at everything. You've got to go back and look at all of your income, all of your expenses. What is it for? Uh, because you should have been tracking this all year, to be honest. And this is something because you want to make sure because maybe you just bumped yourself into HST and you've missed doing that. You know, the whole purpose of bookkeeping records for small businesses is so we can see that we're growing, right? Right? Not just taxes, but we want to make sure we're operating positively. So you want to go back, get everything together, just start collecting it. What you know, um, you want to categorize everything. All your advertising together, all your fees. You got to go through your bank accounts. You know, what have you bought? What have you paid? Do you have receipts for everything? You know, do you have copies of the invoices you sent people? So running a business is a lot of work, and you need yeah. to make sure that you're doing your due diligence to so that you can not only have a business that succeeds, but then you can properly report it to the government. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard to do that, and you know. 15 months in hindsight, uh, right? It, it, well, and that's 
And that's the thing. Well, hopefully people think now, you know, they'll be like, look, look forward now, catch up and then start right. doing it for 2020 guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last area, I mean, we're, we're doing this uh, podcast, of course, because people are in, in fact, uh, you know, uh, self-isolating or social distancing, working from home in a lot of cases. Are you, are you starting to um, get a sense of whether there are COVID-19 related um, expenses that we ought to think about as self-employed Canadians that, that would make some sense to that, that obviously will on your next tax filing in 2021 will, uh, you know, will, will be, I think, um, uh, acceptable. Uh, that's, it's a good question. And I wish I had an answer for it. We can't really speculate on what the government is going to do, but it's, I think what you can keep doing as, um, as a business owner is, is keep operating your business the way you should be with your expenses and your receipts, keep track of things. And if there is something that's impacting you because of this, um, then we're going to know as soon as the government releases these statements, what we're allowed to do. They've come out with some stuff last week with things that will impact, uh, some of our, our corporations, um, you know, what we're going to be able to do in terms of, uh, wage subsidies and such and hopefully we'll maybe we'll see more but there's unfortunately it's too I think it's too soon to speculate on what what the changes yeah. are going to be we want to you know we're eagerly eagerly listening to the CBC watch you know seeing what's going on and what's going to come up next and uh, you know and uh, we'll have to unfortunately we have to just play it by ear yeah I, I have the sense that there's going to have to be some allowance around the amount of um, almost like you know forced forced feeding of yourself that you have to have in your, in your house, right? I mean, <laughs> you, you know, your like your, your meals might be treated very differently in, in 2021. I mean, uh, yeah. for, for people, if, you, if you can't go out and, and do face-to-face meetings, um, you're going to have to come up with some kind of an accommodation for the virtual world we're in, I think. It'll be interesting to see what they do come up with. I, um, I I'm curious and, and waiting, just like as a business owner myself as well. It, I'm I'm anxiously waiting to see what comes down, what the government decides on how we're changing how we do business now, right? And yeah. what that's going to mean, you know, with the employees at home and more of us running our businesses out of our homes, all of that stuff. Uh, so yeah, we just have to sit tight and, and wait for the government to let us know. Well, Susan Watkin with TurboTax Canada, um, yep. thanks a lot for your help today. Uh, stay well, stay my safe. My pleasure. Yeah, same with you. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much, Kirk. And you've been watching Co- uh, Coping with COVID. I'm Kirk LaPointe. We'll see you next time. <laughs>